Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky back here again for another bonus episode of The Ben Jarofsky Show. And this is such a bonus episode, we don't have just one guest. We have two guests. That's right. We have two guests, and I'm going to ask our guests to introduce themselves. Uh, and if they want to recite a poem or any line, a song that they like, and this one guest here is already nodding her head like she's thinking, what poem do I want to <laughs> recite? Uh, they could feel free. If they don't want to recite a poem, they don't have to. So I'm going to go. That guest goes first. Okay. My name is Erica Wozniak, uh, and I am a Chicago public school teacher just finishing my 15th year uh, and also co-host of the Girl Talk. All right. Okay. And All that right. guest? Uh, I'm Jen Sabella. I am a co-founder and director of strategy at Block Club Chicago. Um, and I'm also a co-host of the Girl Talk. So they're the co-hosts of Girl Talk. And uh, Girl Talk is a show the fourth Tuesday of every month at the hideout, 1354 West Wabonsi. Right, Erica? Yes. I got the address right. <laughs> uh, Jen, why don't you start telling people a little bit about the history of Girl Talk? So I actually was brought in a, like a month late. Uh, Joanna Klonsky, who's been a guest on this show, is our producer. Uh, and Erica, were at the bar after one of your shows, y you and Mick. And uh, you guys were shooting the sh Can I say shit? Yeah, you can swear, man. Right. It's a podcast. You can say uh, whatever you, you want. Everyone was shooting the shit about uh, <laughs> wanting more women on uh, the show. So uh, it was proposed that uh, Joanna and Erica start their own show. So that's what they did. And I had known Joanna um, for years when I was at the Huffington Post before I started before I started at DNA Info. Um, and she reached out to me after about a month because she was like, I don't want to be interviewing people that I represent. <laughs> so wisely, uh, she took over being our like person who books our guests and helps us um, figure out. She's always on top of like the issue of the day, and it's actually kind of weird because we've planned shows where we'll get guests lined up, and then like a huge news story breaks, making those guests super relevant. Mm -hmm. um, so she's been like a whiz at doing that, uh, and it's been our it's. It's been three years of doing the show, uh, the fourth Tuesday of the month, The Hideout. Yeah, and I I had seen uh, Jen. Jen told the story perfectly. We were sitting with you and Tim Tutton, and we said, what? why is it all men? And you and Tim Tutton suggested, hey, why don't you guys do a show? And I was like, we're going to do that. <laughs> um, and so, and so that's, it just very organically happened. But I had seen Jen... Um, on your show, on the First Tuesday show. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm a huge fan of First Tuesdays. I, I never missed it. And I saw Jen on there and I was like, who is that girl? And I want her to be my friend. <laughs> and she's so cool and raw. And so we met out and had a glass of wine and got to know each other. 
And within the first five minutes, I was like, will you be my guest host or will you be my co-host? <laughs> yep. And we've been friends ever since. And so, uh, yeah, so people probably, that's something a lot of folks might not know. Uh, your friendship is really as old as the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's crazy because, um, I like, like I said, I didn't, I knew Joanna like professionally. I didn't know Erica at all. So just meeting a couple times, we became like instant friends, which is hard as an adult. You don't usually meet people where you, yeah. you know, form that friendship that quickly. So yeah. And hashtag blessed. <laughs> hashtag blessed. <laughs> and I had met Joanna Klonsky through my work, uh, just volunteering on the Chewy Garcia campaign in, in 2015. Um, in 2014, and so same same sort of story there, where I just saw her and thought she's really cool. Now there's a um, a dynamic here that's interesting. I just thinking this through. It's based on what you just said, Erica. You had met Joanna through the um, uh, Chewy Garcia campaign. All right. So your background, your public school teacher, you're free to work on campaigns. Your background, Jen Sabella, is you're a journalist. You're not supposed to work on campaigns. So you're very much uh, an open about who you support and who you don't support. And I could speak this with great truth uh, and understanding, firsthand experience, because Erica has called me from time to time about crusades that we both share. Uh, you, on the other hand, Jen, have to be a little cautious about that, about taking open stance in terms of favor of this candidate, that candidate. Erica, how has this dynamic worked out in terms of the show? It's great. It's We are respectful to each other. I mean, certainly Jen has opinions. Uh, she doesn't share her political opinions, but when we're on stage, there's times that I'm certainly not shy about saying how much I, I love uh, an elected official or how much I despise their decisions. <laughs> Um, so I'm not shy about that, and I'm always very clear on the girl talk uh, that I'm a public school teacher. Um, I'm not a hard-hitting journalist like you all are, um, but I think that I think that it works, and and I'm able to just be myself. It's actually a little bit like your your show with Mick. I always thought of that. Like Mick would always like there would be, there would sometimes be a guest on, and and you and the guest would be bonding and like laughing, and Mick would be like, "Wait a second, I have to ask this question." <laughs> and I sometimes I'm like, "Wow, I'm being the Mick, which I never thought I would be." Yeah, uh, uh, I love Mick, but I'm he's just I always was like you know I'm I'm goofier than Mick, um, but I yeah I have my whole thing is like I am a absolutely open with like being like supportive of like social justice causes. Um, and I don't think that that's bias. I think that's just being a decent human being um, where I don't, I don't endorse candidates and I don't like openly like back candidates, which I think is honestly a bad idea for a journalist to do. I don't think that, I know I'm on the Sun-Times Reader podcast, or, uh, podcast right now, but I don't think newspapers should do it. I think it alienates a lot of the readers. I, I just think it's, yeah. It, somebody's bound to fuck up. And if I like put my, you know, flag on this candidate and say rah rah, then it kind of blows back on me. Yeah. So I'm happy to just, you know, rant about that stuff. Well, that would happen to any wife. of us. I yeah. mean, that would happen to Erica or myself. Uh, you, you, you stick your neck out for somebody, you, you bless them, even if it's just on a Facebook post, uh, and then they get caught doing something stupid 
And then it's like, oh, man, yeah, Ben, good uh, good move there. I mean, has that ever happened to you, Erica? Yeah, but I think people are more sympathetic to somebody like me who's who's not working in that world and not trying to tell the story in an unbiased way. Um, of course, people are going to mess up, and we expect our elected officials to be perfect. Uh, but if there's something egregious, I mean, it's not like it... it it's not like if somebody's endorsing Ed Burke, people wouldn't <laughs> people wouldn't understand later that like okay they probably did that for some really messed up reasons. Um, so I yeah I think that folks are more sympathetic to somebody who's not trying to tell the story and trying to share the story in an unbiased way. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to tell the story in an unbiased way. I'm telling the story from my perspective as a working Chicago public school teacher and what their actions mean to me personally. Mm-hmm. Jen, do you ever find yourself having a moment when you're seeing something going on in Chicago? You don't have to give names or anything. Uh, we are just so outraged by what a public official is doing that it you almost cannot mention that official's name without chiding him or her. Yeah, I will say like in the case of a very recent event, which was Lincoln Yards vote, um, I know Alderman Brian Hopkins came for us pretty hard on Twitter and he kept coming for us, um, basically just criticizing our reporting, saying it was biased um, because we were covering it closely. You know, we were at every meeting. We had somebody checking in on like that area every day and talking to the stakeholders and our like incessant coverage he considered a bias in itself where i was i would say we've been covering this since it was like a blip since it was just an idea um when you were having like meetings so he came for us on twitter and um was like we've been having meetings like we had dozens of meetings over three years and i was like actually we were at all the meetings and there were there were only like these three meetings and there's only one meeting since the full plan was released um which turned out there wasn't really even a full meeting since Mm -hmm. the the full plan was released but um that i was like okay i'm arguing about facts here i can back myself up i'm going to always defend my reporters so i don't think that i was out of line for kind of calling him out on that on Mm -hmm. on twitter i I think that 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 was tough though for me not to get petty because i'm from the south side yeah (laughs) she's south sider (laughs) uh and she definitely was not out of line for uh criticizing Lincoln Yards, man, what a sham and a scam that is there. I said it. I didn't even put it on Twitter. Uh, (laughs) All right. uh, Erica, let's talk about how uh, Girl Talk has evolved, if I could use that word, from what it was uh, way back three years. Man, damn. I thought it was four years, but whatever. Uh, Three years ago, 2016. Uh, What's that? (laughs) What even is time? (laughs) Yeah. What is time, man? Um, So... I've, I think I said this before we went on air today, I've always thought that Donald Trump's election caused a change or led to a radical change in girl talk. Uh, you're nodding your head out as though you agree with me. Talk about that. Yeah, so when we began it, it was in April of 2016. And uh, truly we, we started the show because we wanted to get to know and elevate our fellow women in their work. Um, and we still continue to do that. But after April of 2016 happened and we had these great shows where we had this really fun box that was Alder Woman Sue Garza's idea that was hot topics and we would ask silly questions like, who's your celebrity crush? And then we'd learn and then we'd talk about it and we'd laugh. Um, And then Trump got elected, which none of us expected to happen. And so we knew that we had this space that we could use as an organizing space where we could elevate the work 
not just of elected officials in Chicago, but also of people who are doing work on the ground that are directly affecting us. Um, so immediately after Trump got elected, we put together a show with women from immigration who are working in immigration rights, women who are working in environmental rights and Black Lives Matter, all of these different things. And, and we put together this panel and we sort of just took action. And we've been doing that ever since. So we've been really focused and strategic about what what topics we're doing, who we're having on the show, and how we can continue to elevate and have fun so that our audience has a good experience, which is just genuine. Because essentially, just like your show, you're watching a bunch of women who are talking on stage and asking each other questions about their work. Yeah, and I just saw in the crowd, it changed. I I turn out like skyrocketed after Trump was elected. Um, I think people just wanted an outlet. They wanted a place to go and be around other people. And I just remember feeling after that election, feeling so like shaken and like just truly depressed. I, I think my my wife and I skipped Thanksgiving because we had some Trump voters in our family and we were like, we can't, we just can't have these conversations right now. We just felt like traumatized almost just with the rhetoric and like how nasty the campaign was. and. Then, like right when he got elected, it was just so it was just so much fear, and I think everyone just kind of start. They came to the hideout, and we everyone kind of felt safe, and they felt like, what can we do? And so every show, we ask for action items from our guests, like um, let's call call your elected official to talk about this bill, and and or call your elected official and thank them for their vote on this, like kind of letting people know how the process works, because I think people especially in Illinois, feel a little bit like, oh man, I yeah, Springfield's a mess. I'm not gonna mess with that. Um, but just letting people know that they can, they, they it matters. Like every phone call matters. Every, every t- like thing that they sign matters. Like just getting involved in a small way on a local level can have a huge impact. You know, uh, thinking back to what the world was like November 2016 when Trump got elected, it was so uh, just a traumatic moment. Couldn't even have Thanksgiving dinner. It was very difficult. I understand exactly what you're getting at there, Jen. Uh, and thinking about those first girl talks of like in January, February of 2017, uh, how have things changed now? Do you feel as though the, um, the anger, the motivation, the fear is still there as a driving force or has it uh, dis- dissipated a little bit? Well, I think it's still there, absolutely, especially given that we just came off of this 2019 municipal cycle and we're we're going into the 2020 cycle. I think people are ready and um, like Jen said, our turnout has been through the roof uh, because people know that the Girl Talk is a space where you're going to learn, you're going to leave that space. I always say, I leave the space being a better, more informed person. Um, and I think that that's, that's the idea. And who better to learn from at, than women who are doing the work? Um, and so I think that the energy is still there. I think people are still showing up because they still wanna know what they can do. They still wanna know who they're supposed to think. They're, they still wanna know who they're supposed to call. And a lot of our audience is already really well informed on those issues, but there might be something else that they learn. The other thing that, um, that we do is we let our guests choose which uh, charity that we're going to make a donation to at the end of the show. So the proceeds from the show um, go to a, a good cause based on what uh, what our guests choose. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I think that's really powerful, and so people are happy to pay the ticket price because they know they're making a contribution. And we've seen like the impact. Like we were just talking earlier about our favorite show, but we had after the election, we had like Maria Haddon on, Alderwoman Maria Haddon, we had Sue Garza, we had Anna Valencia. It was kind of like this new um, brand of people in office. We talked about all of like the DSA candidates that got elected, and I think people showed up to be like, wow, how much has changed? Like we did this, we felt so hopeless a few years ago and now we have these women representing us that are reflective of our values and and they just kind of came to cheer that show I feel like I never laughed so hard in my life like I was I had tears like (laughs) running down my face like the whole room there was just like an energy and I think people just felt really like okay this is this is what we have been working for uh there was a new story about I think about a couple weeks ago Dennis read it uh 54% of Americans doing this off the top of my head, 54% of Americans believe that Donald Trump will be reelected, all right? There's a poll, 54% of Americans believe Donald Trump will be reelected. I had mixed feelings when I heard that. Uh, on one hand, I'm, I, I wasn't quite sure. That, I hope that didn't mean they were gonna vote for him, you know, I, <laughs> but uh, so there's, I'm not quite sure what it does mean. Uh, and so, Jen, I'm gonna ask you, I realize that the Girl Talk audience is uh, a segment of the population, representative of a larger segment, obviously, but it's still a subset of a larger group. What's your sense of things as we stand now as we're heading into the start of the campaign season based on just the people that you constantly interact with, the people who come to your shows, the vibrations that they're putting out there? What's your sense about where we are as a country? I think the girl talk is a beautiful, beautiful bubble, um, but it's a bubble. Uh, and I I talked to my family, they're still Trump supporters, some members of my family. I'm not gonna, not you mom, I know better. My mom's <laughs> not. Um, but I, I'm nervous, honestly, uh, if the Democrats can like get behind a person, but it seems like it's a lot of the toxicity, uh, a lot of the left eating its own again, and it just scares me. Um, I just like want everyone, I mean, I know that like there's problematic things about a lot of the people running, um, and of course, like, I don't know, I get it. I get being frustrated and not wanting to vote for someone just because you think they're electable or or not wanting to not vote for someone because you don't think they're electable. It's just like, I don't know. I think we all have been waiting for like that energy that Obama, like when when Obama was running, like there was that Obama energy and everyone was like on board. And I'm not seeing that happening now. I mean, unless I'm missing something. I, I know people who are excited about, you know, Bernie. I know people who are excited about Elizabeth Warren, but I'm not seeing the level of energy like, across a broader spectrum and that makes me um pretty nervous yeah i'll i'll add to i think this this whole idea and this conversation about electability look at chicago and april 2nd of 2019 i mean we this whole cycle everybody was talking about electability electability look who who was elected nobody expected lori lightfoot to be elected, let alone with over 60% of the vote. I mean, she absolutely killed it. So I think that there's, people are looking for, in America in general, they're looking for somebody who isn't the status quo. They're looking for somebody who they can trust. I mean, they're looking for somebody, and that's that's what they saw in 
and Lori, obviously, because she she won so overwhelmingly. Um, so I think that whatever happens uh, after the primary, we're just going to have to get to work. Yeah. And no matter what, we we have to get to work because who can we hold accountable at the end of the day? The person that we worked for. Um, and so that's that's the thing that I think drives me crazy sometimes in the progressive movement is we spend so much time criticizing and worrying about what we're doing incorrectly as activists or as organizers when we should be doing that more to the outside. Um, and I think that there's a lot of energy spent to cite, like critiquing, you know, a certain presidential candidate, whoever that may be, when we should be spending that time instead using your Facebook timeline or whatever it is that you use to vent um, about the actual president who we have to overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly uh, make sure that he's he's not elected again because this we're showing the world who we are here. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm just going to, before, the Lori Lightfoot is a uh, perfect moment to make a transition to local politics, but I'll just say this. Uh, we're listening to what you were saying, Jen. At this time in 2007, go back in time, people weren't talking about Obama yet. You That's know true, what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it, it, the Obama thing didn't take off until Iowa, and then it That's just... True. It, it so really, maybe I'll, I'll stop being a Debbie Yeah, owner. but no, it's all good. Because here's how I view it. It's all part of the same uh, giant... Uh, process if you will okay so you people freaking out they put out energy they're so nervous and scared that trump's gonna win we had ken davis on the show the other day he was predicting trump was gonna win only i go what what, do you, what have you seen that makes you think trump's gonna win it was just he just was scared he was gonna win you know what i'm saying so that mm -hmm. puts out a certain energy that gets him involved you know what i'm saying yeah. so if if just being paranoid is gonna get you involved then let that energy speak. You get what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it's all part of the process. All right, Lori Lightfoot. Uh, let's talk about Lori Lightfoot. In many ways, Lori Lightfoot is a Girl Talk candidate. She appeared at Girl Talk before she was known citywide, so it's the kind of audience that would show up at the hideout. Because let's face it, unless you got Joanna booking your show, it's hard to get like Rom to show up at the. Even you, Joanna, couldn't get Rom to show up at the hideout. Uh, he wouldn't be allowed in Ben. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't be on Girl Talk. That's that was for Erica. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, that was Erica speaking. Um, so Lori Lightfoot showed up. So in that way, uh, she was already kind of reaching out to the Girl Talk audience. Uh, Girl Talk is not part of the political establishment. You're not like part of the Ed Burke crowd. Uh, you're a member of the Chicago Teachers Union. CTU. CTU, which doesn't have the best relationship right now with Lori Lightfoot. That's another matter. So um, what's your thoughts of Lori Lightfoot? I know it's only six weeks in, but we'll go with you, Erica, first. What's your thoughts of Mayor Lori Lightfoot? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, I will also state that um, uh, Tony Preckwinkle was a guest on the Girl Talk as well. Amara Enyo was a guest on the Girl Talk. So we had a lot of mayoral candidates on the show. So um, just to be clear about that. Um, so right now, I, I think that we have a mayor that is very different from the mayor that we once had. Uh, and I feel a sense of, uh, I, I feel a sense of hope um, given that Rahm Emanuel isn't there, I think that that the day the day that she was inaugurated, um, 
I watched a part of it um, when I was able to, and she said a lot of the things that I want to hear as a Chicago public school teacher, as a voter, as a working person. She said a lot of the things that I want to hear, and so now she has the opportunity to um, to do those things that she's that she's saying she wants to do. And I think that she's set up for a really, really difficult job. Um, obviously. The Chicago Teachers Union is in contract negotiations right now, and um, I understand that you know we we need we need to do better for our kids, and that's something that we've talked about over and over and over again. Um, but we have we have schools that are you know we our schools are still segregated. Our black and brown students are still getting the short end of the stick, and you know we we will demand uh, that that she keeps those promises that she's making. However, I will say, we had a rally outside of City Hall um, just in preparations for our contract negotiations and you know, letting her know that we're serious. And she had a video, she put a video out saying, I'm sorry that I can't be there with you. I hear you and I'm listening to you, which is so drastically different than the previous mayor who just treated us like garbage um, and at, treated us like we were the bad guys when we're the ones who are at the forefront of fighting for our kids in our schools. Um, and she treated us with that respect, which that to me meant a lot. And to the folks who were walking in the streets after they saw that, they, they, I, I heard a lot of people say, I'm not used to this. Um, so the tone is different. Um, I. I'm hopeful, uh, and I think that she's saying a lot of the things that we need her to say. I just I want to see the action. Yeah, um, I I think that it's going to be interesting watching the way she's covered um, by the media in Chicago, um, which it, it's been pretty combative with Rom. It was pretty combative with Daily. Um, she seems like she. Um, doesn't take any shit. Uh, I don't know if that, that what that translates to. Um, we don't know yet. It's like seems too soon in terms of like transparency. There's still some of the same press people in place um, at various districts like CPS, um, and uh, you know it's 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 much of the same with getting a comment out of people in in cert about certain stories. But um, we'll see. I thought the articles about her being in New York were a little bit harsh. Um, I, she was raising money for like, you know, Chicago projects and, and kind of, she went on, on the Colbert show or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, you are sort of a native Chicago and you are a native Chicago and yes. Erica, like myself is a transplant. Uh, so I had a lot of fun with this, uh, the show, uh, I don't know when this one is airing, but the show I did on Tuesday, that's when today is when we're talking. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. It was a, an article, an analysis, they called it by France Spielman in the uh, bright one, the Sun Times, uh, early rom traversies. Hello. <laughs> Get it? Controversies, rom traversies. <laughs> the Sun Times headline writers got a million of them, right? <laughs> and, uh, at the same time. Uh, that Fran was writing that story with that great headline. Uh, the, tri the Tribune wrote a, there was an editorial in the Tribunal uh, by uh, a conservative writer named Kristen McQuarrie. Uh, and on uh, one label we didn't expect to describe Mary Lightfoot, Jet Setter. That's the difference between a Tribune editorial and a Sun Times. I just want to put that out, a little editorial side. Tribune editorial. <laughs> 
Sometimes editorial, a little spike in there. Come on, Tribune, up your game. But uh, the basic point that both writers uh, had is that uh, uh, Laurie is out of touch with ordinary Chicagoans by leaving Chicago and going, I'm trying to say this with a straight face, going to New York uh, because like New York's the big city and we're just here. It's so embarrassing. Yeah. Like I, I like that's, that's what I think it's just really embarrassing. And I like don't, I don't know Chicagoans like that who are like, don't ever leave Chicago. I mean like even my Trump voter uh, dad and brother who are lifelong Chicagoans, don't feel that way, like mm-hmm. about never leaving Chicago or like that's like, think that it's highbrow to go to New York. I, I don't know anyone who feels that way. I think it's it's like a, it's a stale take. <laughs> well, Rom did, uh, I'm now defending uh, uh, Kristen McQuarrie and Franz Bellman. Rom did uh, jet around the country to Hollywood Whatever I said, I got to put my sunglasses on. Hollywood. So he would go to Hollywood and he would go to New York. And it was kind of irritating after a while, you know, because I totally after a while. And and the fact that he wouldn't ever talk to the media here. And then he's writing op eds in the Atlantic and wherever in the New York Times. And that's obnoxious. That's totally, I think, different than a trip to New York. Um, I I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I don't think this is going to be like that's going to be her jam, but I don't know. But I, I just thought it was a little bit like, okay, we're, we're just going to be, be like that. Huh? I don't know. Yeah. My take, my take on all of it is you, you're just looking for something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's thirsty. Yeah, exactly. You're just simply looking <laughs> for something that you can write about to criticize her on. Um, and I, I don't think everyday Chicagoans really are, I mean, if it, if it becomes consistent, yeah, but... If she's shedding around. I have to go. There was one great line. I've been reading it all day that France Billman wrote, which I'm very jealous of because I wish... I, it was such a great line. I wish I wrote it. I'll read it to you now. Uh, what former Mayor Richard M. Daly knew in his soul, but Emmanuel never took to heart, is that Chicagoans believe the sun rises and sets in Chicago, and they want their mayor to stay home and focus on local problems. Uh, what do you think about that? I think it's true that they want the mayor to focus on local problems. I, I just think it's um, how many days was she in New York? Uh, I think she was. <laughs> I mean, like three days. Uh, she... <laughs> yeah, I think it may. Have been I'm three just days. like, okay, did she like spend a weekend in New York and everyone's like shitting themselves? <laughs> like, I I just think it, couldn't that giant like page be better spent like covering the many issues that are facing the city? Um, we at Block Club have a story today about a veterans home that is being neglected that got 1.6 million dollars in taxpayer money that they promised education, they promised mental health services, and it's crumbling. Um, I mean. I I think that that would be uh, that puts some pressure on some people to go out and out there and help those veterans. I I hope I, I just think that would maybe be a better use of um, that much space in the paper. I totally agree. I think there are so many other things uh, uh, to talk about and for people to read about, uh, and and that's why I appreciate Block Club so much and why I'm a monthly subscriber. Oh, I love. Oh, and that said, I respect Franz Spielman is a queen and yes. i'm not yeah she get her on girl I'm talk not, i'm not shading her at all uh, i mean that was a little shady but i'm you know uh you should have these two on together job. what's the other lady Krista, Krista McQuarrie. Yeah. she's very conservative um i will have fran spielman on uh <laughs> 
but I did I did I did meet Fran Spielman once. I, I ran up to her after a press conference, said I'm a huge fan, and then ran away. It was pretty cool. Wow. But she was like, Who's that lady? Uh, that's a song, by the way. Um, so all right, let's talk about I said I was gonna ask you this, now I'm gonna ask you this. Uh, it's so much fun talking to you guys. Um, your favorite girl talk show. What's your favorite girl talk show? Okay. Well, we were just Jen was just talking about this one, but it was it was a pleasure. We had uh, just after the municipal elections, we had Alderwoman Susan Sadlowski Garza, which I make I make no apologies that I just think she is the absolute queen of Chicago, um, and she was on with. Uh, Clerk Valencia, Anna Valencia, and newly elected Alderwoman Maria Haddon. And that show was full of life. It was so funny. It was so much fun. We talked about their work. We talked about all of these other things. We talked about just being women. Uh, I mean, I think Anna shared that she was doing some sort of a detox and oh, yeah. like all all of these wonderful, and also we talked about what it's like to be a woman who's running, which I've spoken about on this show before, but it's, it's a really hard thing for a, a woman candidate to talk about because you're supposed to be perfect and you're supposed to be all of these things and you're not supposed to talk about anything that's ever wrong but there are things that are wrong and there are things that are really messed up that you have to go through and we we were able to talk about that and it was really it was really lifting and oh man it was was it was a blast yeah Yeah. it was just the best and i i think that sue garza is an overlooked figure in the city like i think that if the broader chicago like if everyone knew who she was like i would say i'm saying like even people who don't live in the city like people who I think she could be like a star. I don't know. She's just the most charming, one of the most charming people I've ever met. She is She is so genuine. She is so kind. I have known her for almost, yeah, I've known her for 15 years. She is the same exact person as she as she is. She, today, she is the same exact person as she was 15 years ago, sitting on the House of Delegates floor, screaming at leadership that they weren't doing the right thing. She's doing exactly the same thing because she is so, she's so grounded in who she is. And she was raised, obviously, by this incredible family. And she has the most amazing husband. Um, and she just, both of her feet are on the ground. She knows who she is. She knows why she's doing the work. And that's exactly the kind of elected officials that we need. But she's also effing funny. She's so funny. Yeah. I yeah. mean, she's just the best. No, yeah. she uh, she was on the show last week, right, Dee? Uh, and she came in, yeah. Uh, it was Thursday. She came in, uh, and there was a little girl sitting in the chair where you're sitting, Erica, who was the daughter of, her, of the other guest. And her father, the little girl's father was the I guess he was babysitting that day, so she was in here. And Sue Garza walked in the room, and and she just, because when when uh, Eric was telling that story, she's alluding to the fact that Sue Garza was a, a school counselor, grammar school counselor for years on the southeast side, and was a delegate for the Chicago teacher. Anyway, she went right up there, and who are you? <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> nobody talks to a little girl. Who are you? And the oh. little girl, uh, <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, so Sue Garza is uh, pretty cool. Well, all right. Uh, now I'm going to ask you, what was your least favorite girl talk show? Oh, man. 
I'm trying to think. We had a couple that were duds just because of low turnout, which was a bummer. So I'm not going to like shade any of our guests. <laughs> I'm asking them to dupe. It's so uh, throw some shade over these. No, I, the worst ones. I think the question has to be asked, young man. <laughs> I would say like we did one that I actually loved, but it was like no turnout, and I want to do it again for that reason because it was the Cubs were in the playoffs. It was like. Oh. Right then, and it was like everyone, it was a beautiful day. The Cubs were in the playoffs. I think there were like four people at the Girl Talk. And I had this, we had this great panel <laughs> talking about being trolled online. Oh, that, and it was I like, saw that yeah, one. Yeah. It was that like, was a great show. Yeah, it was a great show, but like yeah. no one saw it. And I, I we saw had some it. People, well, <laughs> we should do that one again. We should do that one yeah. again. Because we had like Britt Julius on, who's a writer in town who's just a queen. And we haven't had her on since. And I'm like, man, we fucking wasted. Brit Julius on a club Cubs playoff game show, and I'm just bummed. But we, we'll ask her on again and do it again. She's she's another. She's no, there was uh, the lady from the Tribune was there too for that show. Uh, wasn't Heidi Stevens. Heidi yes. Stevens. Yeah, and she told these stories about how mm-hmm. the abusive uh, email she would get. It was a really powerful show. Yeah, it was it was messed up. And Jamie Nesbitt Golden was mm-hmm. on that show, who's now a Black Club reporter on the South Side. And what about you? So. My least favorite was the first show, not because of our guest. Our first guest was Teresa Ma, and I'm so grateful for her for to her for taking a chance on us. Um, but because of the fact that it was, I just I was so nervous on the stage, and I I had been on your show, which was what good it was good help, but um, it was just kind of awkward, and I was nervous, and I think. Uh, I think that it was, I was trying so hard to just like be a really good host that I wasn't being myself. Um, and so I think once Jen came on and she she felt comfortable on the stage and I got to be more comfortable, that's when we sort of got into our groove. And I remember you saying that to us, like you guys are, you're getting your groove now. Yeah. But it took a, it took a couple of months. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you guys uh, do have your groove on. Your groove on, and you're, it's a great show. Now let's just to close this show by talking about your uh, off the stage, non girl talk careers. I know each of you want to uh, say something about what you're up to, uh, shed some light on what you're all about uh, off the stage. So I'll start with you, Erica. Tell folks uh, something they need to know about you and some issues that you really believe in. Yeah, so one thing that I have been working on um, that I'm deeply passionate about as a Chicago public school teacher for 15 years uh, is that we don't have enough social workers in our school buildings. In fact, the ratio of students to social workers in Chicago public schools is for every one social worker, we have 1,053 students. That, that I mean, that's an absolutely ridiculous ratio. The recommended ratio by the National Association of Social Workers is one social worker to every 250 students mm. um, in typical areas, in, in areas with a lot of trauma, which we have a lot of those areas here in the city of Chicago, it's one to 50. Now we have school districts in the northern suburbs that have ratios of one social worker to every 20 students. So we have a crisis in Chicago. We have a crisis of mental health. We have a crisis of safety in our schools and we have to fix it. So right now I saw this, uh, I saw this statistic of one social worker to every 1,000 
53 student and I got really pissed off as I often do when I see injustice and I just started a petition um, and we have over 1500 signatures right now on the petition so if anybody's out there listening I want you to go on to moveon.org and just look up social workers in Chicago public schools and please sign the petition because our students deserve better and we they deserve access to mental health. And uh, there's so many hardworking social workers who aren't even allowed to talk to a child unless they have an individualized education plan, a piece of paperwork that says that they can talk to that child. Um, and social workers should be a mainstay in our school communities, especially in Chicago Public School, especially where we have kids who are facing seeing somebody get murdered or we have kids who are scared because they're undocumented and they're scared that they're going to come home from school and their parents are, aren't going to be there or we have kids who simply like have mental health issues in their homes or interrelation or interrelational problems and things that teachers are once again we are being asked to deal with these issues and we are not trained to deal with these issues i can't tell you once a week i give up a lunch just to talk to my students which i'm more than happy to do i love i love having lunch with my students but I'm working out their issues with them, their mental health issues, their relational issues. A social worker is trained to do that. I am not trained to do that. I will do it because I love them and I care about them, but I shouldn't have to. I should also be able to have a break and eat lunch, but that's the only option. Um, And we're consistently failing our kids and mental health is a crisis and we need to make sure that our students have access to it and social workers are the first line of defense there. How many, one social worker per, how many kids did you say? 1,053. Wow. Mm, And it's recommended that it should be one to 250 in areas of typical trauma and one to 50 in areas of high trauma. All right. This is me talking, not Jen talking, not Erica talking, but this is why whenever I get people who try to tell me what a great job the last mayor did with the Chicago public schools, it's things like this, but we just committed how many billions of dollars, Erica Wozniak for Lincoln Yards, how many billions of dollars for the 78. So don't tell me what a great job our mayor, we have to live in deference to these mayors of ours. And I know we're all supposed to, you know, pay, be respectful to them, but but when you hear stuff like this, it just well, makes me sick. Well, and that's the pushback whenever I talk about this is, well, how are we going to pay for it? Well, we always have money for the Riverwalk or the DePaul Arena or the Lincoln Yards or the 78. Enough, enough focus. We need to make sure that we're, we're paying. I say this all the time. Pay your mortgage before you go out and you buy the damn Range Rover. Like we need to make sure oh, that that's we're. That's a good line. Yeah, <laughs> we, we need to make sure yeah. that we're taking care of the children in our city and not just for right now yeah. but for the long term i mean that prevents violence yeah like which is a huge problem in the it city. prevents people from smearing watermelon all over cars <laughs> in bridgeport i mean that's it's real mm-hmm. it's real uh yeah by the <laughs> nice way i always use the line uh, eat, eat, eat your vegetables before you eat the chocolate cake all right that's, that's kind of my version of but yours is a lot better uh and uh what should we know about what you're up to uh jen sabella I we just celebrated our first birthday of Block Club Chicago. Happy if you're birthday. not fam- thank you. If you're not familiar, uh, Block Club was launched by former DNA Info editors and reporters after we were shut down by billionaire Joe Ricketts um, in a union dispute. 
Um, so we we launched in uh, June of 2018, and so we just turned one. Wow. Um, we have about 8,000 paying subscribers right now, which is on track to our goal, but we cover the neighborhoods on a ground level. Our reporters are embedded in the neighborhoods they cover. Um, and we're adding people. So we are, we just, Pascal Sabino just started covering the West Side for us. So he's covering Austin, North Lawndale, Garfield Park. He's already doing a fantastic job. He's over at uh, DJ Khaled. How do you, I, I'm not, I'm not hip with the kids, but uh, DJ Khaled opened a, a, a Miami soul food restaurant on the West Side. DJ so, Khaled? Khaled, sorry. Another one. <laughs> yeah, I am, you guys, I'm so not up on cool things anymore. Um, you're young. I know. I know. I, I guess I just, I'm, I, maybe I'm just too indie rock. Um, DJ because the big fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Miami guy. So, so Pascal's out there yeah. today uh, checking it out. Uh, we also are launching our, our Hyde Park Woodlawn reporter who's going to be covering a lot of what's going on with the Obama Library. Uh, he's going to start in a couple weeks. His name's Maxwell. We're really excited about that. Um, and we're exploring creative funding options. So if you're somebody who we're not covering, a neighborhood we're not covering, and you are, have some ideas for fundraising to get a reporter there, we're all ears. We're thinking about doing a Kickstarter for... Um, a beat or two this summer so that we'll, we'll stay tuned but blockclubchicago.org check it out it's really fun we also launched neighborhood specific newsletters so you could literally get an, an email twice a week that has only news about your neighborhood including all events and community meetings happening so lsc meetings cap me, caps meetings plus everything happening in your neighborhood so it's just super relevant to your life all right and so finally uh this show whenever it airs will be before the next girl talk so give us the when and the where and the who for the next girl talk well, so our next Girl Talk is uh, coming up on June. Tuesday, the 25th <laughs> of <laughs> June uh, at 6.30 p.m. It's $10 suggested donation. Um, again, that goes toward the charity chosen by our guests. And the theme is women getting shit done in Springfield. Hell yeah. And uh, we've had a lot of movement. We've had the marijuana legalization, recreational marijuana. We had the uh, reproductive rights bill. Yes. Um, and we're going to have. Uh, you know. Yeah, so we have two uh, legislators who were at the forefront of working on those issues. We have uh, Representative Kelly Cassidy, who was the sponsor of the marijuana legalization bill, and she was the one who pushed through the RHA, the Reproductive Health Act. Uh, and then we also have uh, an incredible legislator that you should know if you if you don't already know of her. Her name is Jahan Gordon Booth, um, and she represents areas of Peoria. Um, and she also was at the forefront of of doing that work. Um, and so we are absolutely thrilled to have the two of them on stage with us. Um, and we're going to be talking about what happened in Springfield. Um, we're really excited about these guests in particular because they're both very real women. Um, and we think that we might be able to get some of the inside scoop on on what happened uh, to get all this stuff passed. But we're, I mean, so many good things happened in Springfield this cycle, the fair tax, RHA. I mean, the fact that we don't have to, we don't have to worry about you know, making a choice about our own health care, I think is pretty, pretty powerful. 
we were scared for a minute there. And, uh, well, for a lot of women in a lot of other states uh, facing a different reality, of course. Uh, Jihan Gordon Booth, the Pride and Joy of Peoria. Kelly Cassidy, the Pride and Joy of the North Side of Chicago. It's going to be a great show. And uh, Jen Sabella and Erica Wozniak, thank you so much for taking time to, to come on my show. Thanks for for having us. All right, man. They said it together. They've been doing that girl talk so long, and now talk together. All right. That's another bonus episode on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Take care, everybody. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.